0: Hi, I'm Erin Hartz. Welcome to Grace Plus Boundaries, a weekly memoir in a podcast. I've realized through the past decade of my recovery that I learn the most about emotional maturity through listening to the triumphant stories of others. Are you yearning to unpack the effects of intergenerational trauma in your life? Do you want to stay true to your feelings yet also learn how to accommodate the sensibilities of your loved ones? I'm dedicated to cracking the code of combining boundary setting with grace towards one another. Educate, evaluate, and evolve. Let's do this together. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for spending some time with me today. I really appreciate it. And I had a couple new reviews on iTunes that I'm just so grateful for. Um, Tiffany Kay sent me a review recently, and she said that my podcast is Beautiful Vulnerability. The host of this podcast shares her journey and open vulnerability and beautiful empathy for where she is in her journey. She's such an inspiration for people that are starting out in their own self-care journey. My favorite episode is I Love You More Than Wine. I've shared this episode with many of my friends because it's so powerful. Thank you so much, Tiffany. That's so exciting to me that people are actually sharing an episode with someone if they think it might resonate. And if you've done that, I really appreciate it because my goal of this podcast is that more people get help and support when they need it, when we feel so alone. And if we share these kind of things, then maybe it'll get to some other people and be spread out to more and more of us that need all these little types of validations, security, a safe place to start understanding what's going on in our insides. That's really my goal of this podcast. Today I'm going to take a break from my dating death trap series, although I am going to go back to that in the next few episodes, but I am going to take a break for a few because there's just so much going on in my life and I like to keep this podcast very up-to-date I really love podcasting because whatever I'm going through in the week or the month, I can podcast about that and it can come out in real time. Right when I'm feeling it, it comes out. I feel like that taps into this collective energy of our world. Like when one person has an idea, a lot of other people are probably having the same idea around the same time. I hope to jump upon that opportunity when I'm thinking of something and feeling it really deeply. I think probably others are too. And so if I jump into that, then I'm going to give people that kind of support that they're looking for. And maybe there will be times when people will be like, hey, I was thinking about that this week too. You know, something like that. So that's my goal for this podcast. I want to bring you guys really up-to-date things. I like to bring true things. I like to share honestly about what's going on in my life because that's what I needed so badly. I still need that, but I really, really needed that back in the times when I was just going through realizing my husband was emotionally abusive, coming out of that, being a single parent. It's very, very isolating and lonely for those things. So I'm just so grateful now that I've been turned on to so many great podcasts and I hear people share truths and real stuff about their lives and things that are happening to them at the moment. So today what was on my mind this week is how verbal abuse in childhood affects my life today. So one of the huge overarching questions that I've had in my last seven-ish years of realizing that I was in need of a lot of changes in my life and that I come from a lot of dysfunctional patterns, I was always trying to answer the question of, because of these certain things that happened in my childhood, so what? You know, like, why, why does that matter? There's a lot of people in our world, I've met a lot of people that seem to think that things that happen in our childhood can just be ignored. I've heard so many people say, that's in the past. We're older now. It's time to just get over it. But that's actually not possible. Our bodies remember, as we all know now from hearing people say that over and over. And I know that things that have happened in the past are extremely impactful on my life today not just extremely they literally have made me who I am they have attracted into my life the people that have abused me more because I've been used to that kind of treatment and it has literally wired my brain to be a victim really is what it comes down to I was wired as a kid to kind of be a victim of emotional abuse because that's all I knew. That was the only thing I knew of love. And so that's not going to change if I just become an adult. I mean, that there's really no end point there, right? I'm still an immature child. Just because I turn 18, and that's a number that we've created in society, it really doesn't mean that anything is going to change. Um, sure, we mature as we grow. and I. I know people that have done some maturing on their own, but when we have those things that were really impactful as a kid, we can't just get over them by sweeping them under the rug. And I'm sure of that, at least that's what I believe. And that's why I've been finding ways to excavate those things in childhood so that I can sleep better at night, so that I can be attracted to someone who's not abusive, so that I can treat my son better than my parents knew how to treat me. Those things are not going to change unless we do really hard work. And I know you guys all know that. And that's why you're listening to this podcast, because you're in the same mind frame. So kudos to you, because there's a lot of people that don't. And um, I guess I feel really lucky that my life fell apart because I or at least what I thought was a semblance of a perfect life quote unquote that it fell apart because I would have never learned these skills or realized how much in denial I was about my true happiness. So as I've mentioned before on here, um I'm a teacher, I teach middle school, and for a long time since I've been divorced, I worked part- time, and that job was a lot easier, of course, you know, it didn't require any extra time. Um, outside of the four hours I worked each day. And now, in these last two years, when I started my podcast, is when I started working full time. And teaching full time is a very rigorous job. Yes, we get lots of breaks as teachers, and that's awesome because we really need them, else we would all just completely burn out. But having 20 to 30 kids sitting there looking at you all day long that I'm supposed to be able to mold them into a place where they're open to growth and learning, that's a really big job. Having It's a lot of responsibility having so many students in front of me, and it's up to me to try to help them improve, get better. And a lot of my students come from families where the parents haven't valued education And it's just not part of their culture to really value education. So because of that, it makes it even more challenging because there's a lot of lack of motivation for learning and just not a high interest in learning in general with a lot of my students. And so that just makes it really taxing because, I don't know, now I'm feeling like me mentioning this is kind of codependent. It's like putting that on myself that like I'm supposed to be the one that's going to change people. Well, I can't do that, but I can try to motivate them. I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to do things for them. But that's probably why I'm feeling so tired is because it's too much. Like I can't change these students' lives. I can definitely inspire them in a good way and hopefully create a safe place for them to be while they're in my class. I really hope I do that, but I really can't change the trajectory of their life if I only have them, you know, one period of day, but I mention all that because it's pointing to the fact that I have a lot of perfectionism, over-responsibility for the people in my life, even the students that I work with each day, and that sense of over-responsibility is a big problem in my life right now. It's keeping me up at night I have this voice in my head that always wants to solve problems, always wants to make things better. And I love that part of me because it's made me work really hard. And it's, in a lot of ways, it makes me a good person, the person that I value, because I do care about work ethic. And I do care about creating a positive environment for the people around me. But there's also this unhealthy portion of it that I'm doing too much and giving too much, and then I don't have anything left for myself. And so how that's been coming out for me lately, and last year too, I talked about this, I think, in the beginning stages of my podcast, um, is that I can't sleep at night, or I can sleep for about five hours, and then I wake up and my mind is racing, wanting to solve problems from the day. And I think a lot of us have, have that from time to time. But I've been having that in the beginning of the school year. It's been going on really bad, probably since we started school, but definitely this month of September, I've had a really hard time with insomnia. And as you know, if you've been there too, it's frustrating and it also kind of makes you feel like a zombie walking through life when you are so tired that you can't function. But that's not really even how it goes for me. So since I seem to have like that perfectionistic thing, that workaholism a little bit, I seem to kind of get a high from working hard. And so this is how it goes for me. I will have trouble sleeping, let's say it's a Sunday night. I have trouble sleeping. I wake up in the morning, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so tired." And then I get into my day and I get energized. And I go through my day at school, working hard, acting like I have everything together. No one at my workplace would probably know I had trouble. Like I'm not talking about it. I'm not mentioning it. I'm just busy. I'm getting work done. And I feel pretty upbeat, actually. But then when I come home, the second that I get a rest or a break when I get home, the exhaustion hits me. And I feel completely depleted. And I knew from self care routines and this podcast last year, and I was talking about what do I do to help myself recharge and all that kind of stuff. I know that I can sit down and listen to music, take a little nap, maybe I can journal, I can um, sit outside for a little while and breathe some fresh air, go on a walk. So I do those things. But This month, it's been so bad that that is just not enough. It is definitely not enough. Um, I feel okay for a little bit. And then the cycle repeats, you know, that night I go to sleep, I wake up in the middle of the night, and then it happens all over again, get to school. When I get activated in my workaholism or in my perfectionist, and I'm doing well, it gives me a high. So I get through that day because of adrenaline. And then when I get home at night, there we are again, I'm depleted. And it's just getting worse and worse this month. So I brought it up to a friend of mine. And she and I kind of talked about some strategies because she'd gone through, it she goes through this sometimes too, we talked about not looking at the clock when we wake up at night. And we talked about maybe getting up and journaling instead of just laying there trying to go back to sleep. Okay, so I was finally ready to try something new. I tried those things. They helped a little bit. Um, The journaling in the middle of the night felt weird, like I'm so tired yet I'm journaling, but it did help a little bit. So that helped me a few nights get back to sleep. But after that, you know, it was back again. It's like it, it didn't get that much better. So I eventually had to ask my therapist for help with the matter and so a few weeks ago I brought it up to her you know I'm having trouble sleeping I think it's like my perfectionism just wants to keep rehashing and um trying to solve problems what did I do wrong how could I do it better and she and I talked about it for the session and she asked me what was discipline like with your parents when you were a kid. And so we talked about that a little, and I discussed how my parents really used a lot of blame and shame, for the most part, for discipline. There was a lot of um, verbalized, like, you shouldn't do that, Um, how could you have done that, like a lot of shaming about if we made mistakes. If it wasn't something my parents thought was good, then they would really make fun of us and... My mom would just get angry. My dad would laugh or make fun of us, and then he would get angry and tell us how it had to be the rule, the new rule in the house. You know, like it was very clear that my dad was the dominant one in the house and that he made the rules. And my mom was a little more subtle about it, where she wouldn't have said, These are the rules. But if we did something that didn't fit in her little box of what children should be doing, then she would call us out on it, make fun of us in her way that sounded like she was being a good parent, but really it was mean. And um, so I, I decided that was, you know, a lot of verbal abuse is what I went through. And uh, one of the memories that has popped up a lot is this time when I was a kid and I was driving with my mom in the car and we were picking up my sister from second grade. So it's just me my, and my mom in the car. And my mom was really mad at my sister because she had been having a hard time in second grade the teacher kept calling home that my sister's behavior was bad. So my mom was really whipped up about about that. And my mom, from our house to the school, you know, a 10 minute drive or so, all she did was just talk about how bad my sister was, and how she couldn't believe that my sister kept doing this. And, you know, just all these negative things about my sister. And I was there in the back seat just kind of cowering. And I had to listen to my mom rant about my sister, which is just in a lot of ways very painful. And I think it made me really worried or I saw very clearly then I was only five years old. But I saw very clearly that I needed to keep inside my mom's little box of what she thought was the right way to behave or else I would be punished in that way. I would be verbally abused. I would be demeaned for who I was. So we talked a little bit about that, but we didn't do any of the EMDR processing at that session. And so, you know, just rolled around in my head for a little while. And then two weeks later, I still was having the sleep issues and I kept thinking to myself, okay, next time I have therapy, I really need to process this with the EMDR, so go back to that memory of me being in the back seat when my mom is saying all these mean things about my sister. Here's the thing is, did I know that that little thing that happened when I was 5? Did I know that that was going to help me clear up my current situation with my perfectionism? No, I mean, I didn't know that really. I just knew that my intuition was telling me that this memory is a big deal, and that first time I talked to my therapist about it, I thought, well, that memory you know i've it's come up a few times, um, but is it really that big of a deal? you know, or how can I, I didn't know I could really use that memory to help me figure out my life right now? So I went back the second time and I told my therapist that i'm just I'm ready to process that memory. I think I really need to because. It just seems like that's the place to go. So, you know, neither one of us knew if that was the memory or that was the thing that was going to help, but we decided to try. So a lot of EMDR and the family systems therapy, it's about being curious about what's happening in our bodies. So I was curious about what's making that voice in my head at night be so fearful that if I don't do things perfectly, that I'm going to get in trouble Or why do I think I have to do everything so perfectly that I don't get a second chance that I don't get a chance to learn and grow? What is that? So I think it can be connected. Probably you can see that really easily right now as I tell the story that it's connected to being verbally abused as a kid. Like that really does sound linear almost to me. But anyway, I didn't really know yet. So we went into the EMDR. And so I recall the memory and she asked me some questions and um, lo and behold, as we go through it, I realized deeper and deeper just how significant it was hearing my mom say all those things in the car. And the truly significant part was when I tried to bring my adult self in to that picture to comfort that little girl that was in the back of the car. At that point, I'm like an adult in my mind Opening up the car door to look at myself as a five year old in the back seat. And as I do, this was at the end of our processing session, I see that I'm like shriveled up, like teeny tiny in the back seat, making myself as small as possible. And my mind's eye shows me this picture of even like an emaciated, almost like decomposed version of my little self. Like, Like I had lost all my water in my body or something. And so I was really tiny. And so my therapist said, just sit with that. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to tell that little inner child anything. You just sit with them and you just spend time with them and let that little part of me. So she calls those parts, um, spend time with that part of you so that it can get reintegrated into your your system into your body so that's like the goal but I see it more in my mind's eye as like a little tiny child and I'm trying to kind of get that trust from that little child I'm trying to show it that I'm here for it that I'm not going to hurt it anymore so I'm still at the place where that child is pretty freaked out and some other weird little things have happened where that child had kind of changed forms into like a cat at one point, And I was petting the cat on my lap, which was me as a little child. It's so weird. I mean, but I don't know. I think that my ability to fantasize and to think of myself in the spiritual realm, like I seem to have an ability to do that. And I don't know if a lot of other people have experienced that, but I kind of let my imagination fly. Like maybe I... F- That was the only form I felt safe in is to be like a cat that's letting me pet it, you know, maybe that was how I felt safe. So now I feel like I have the little child maybe on my lap. She, I'm not sure yet. So I'm trying to make a relationship with that child, just spending time sitting in silence and being a loving presence to that child and do I think that this is going to heal some of my perfectionism and insomnia? Yeah. I mean, I really don't know yet, but does it sound like this is possibly going to help? I think so because other times when I've had situations like this and we've tried to heal like an abandoned part of ourself or heal a part of ourself that's acting out, this has been part of like the reintegration process of that part of us that we need to bring into our whole adult self. So it just really shows how things that happen in our childhood, those memories you have where you know that something wasn't right, and you just want to keep like talking about them because they were so unfair, and made you feel so bad about yourself. Those things are hurting you in your life right now. I know that's true for me. So from this i mean i still have a lot of work to do i am on my healing journey you know i'm like 7 years into it but it's still going and one of the things my therapist said was that i'm clawing my way out of that dysfunction you know and i'm i'm still doing it i'm still clawing i am not there yet i mean i think there i will never like arrive and never have to do some work but do i hope that someday i'll be at a point where my life is a little less stressful and I don't have to go through so much of these types of difficulties. Yeah, I hope that it gets a little easier. But I do know that some days are easier and some days are harder. And this week and this month have just been very hard. But I have hope that I can get through it because I've done it before. And I have you all to share it with And I'd love to hear from you. So let me know what you think. Do you think that the things that happened to you in childhood are directly affecting your life right now? Um, Give me an example of that. So you can find me on Instagram or you can call my telephone line and leave me a message. All right, well, take care. Bye-bye. You deserve a big high five and a smile in the mirror for showing up for yourself today. Thank you for your dedication to introspection and self-awareness because our personal evolution is what will make this world a better place. If you enjoyed the episode, please give me a five-star review and share it with a friend. And let me know if you want to be a guest to share how you are navigating intergenerational trauma in your life. You're welcome to join my free monthly goal-setting workshop on the first Wednesday of every month. Just DM me at Erin.